Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is episode number 81. I know because I looked it up. Clever. So, Ben. Yes, Jelly. I have a topic for you this week. No way. Yeah. Well, last week you had a topic. Yeah. And this week I have a topic. It's as if we take turns. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so, my topic this week is in-app purchases. Cool. Because they're a thing. And yeah. they're an evil thing. Well, they're not evil. Yeah, I, I mean, do they're. Them, so they can't be that evil. And especially on the developer side, like they're kind of good because, well, yeah, they help you get paid. Yeah. Whether that be because your company is getting paid and therefore you're getting paid by your company. But wait, Jelly, don't you make apps? Yeah, I do. I have. So aren't you like a millionaire? No. What? But I thought all app developers were millionaires and that's why I didn't ever want to pay them. Yeah, no, that's not how it works. They're just taking the money from the little man. The little man. The poor little man. Yeah. So, in-app purchases are the sort of thing that you want to implement if you're going to uh, go down the road of having like a, a freemium model or a premium model app. So, freemium is obviously where you have a free app and you pay for premium stuff. Mm-hmm. Paymium is where you have a paid upfront app and you pay for additional stuff content features whatever yeah those are really the kind of two things that you might be looking at to get uh like the two models that you might be looking at and they come in various shapes and sizes obviously because and there are in-app purchase kind of setups that kind of go along with those and i I mean they're they're, they're great they work they're you know simple because the uh they're they're basically in the app and you know they pop up a thing and the user can use their you know touch id to verify that you know they they want to make the purchase mm-hmm. and it's all over very quickly yeah, and simply and it's like, never leave the app yeah never leave the app it's great but they're they can be a pain to get right a pain yeah they're pretty annoying yeah the library that you use Storekit to make it all work in my feeling it's kind of showing its age i mean it's still based on like really kind of delegate flow as opposed to any sort of blocks or anything yep. like that so you can't like keep it all together it's, you got to go between these things and you yes you can use like you know, make it so that you can use blocks. But I don't like think libraries. they've updated it. Well, so they've added things to it, but they've never really sat down and rethought the whole thing since they released an app purchase and whatever that was. I was four or something. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, they added the family sharing features yep. part of it, which was literally they added a state that a payment can be in. Same with subscriptions. They added subscriptions later and they just was another method or something. Yeah. But overall, the kind of the way that you implement them is pretty much the same. So now that we've mentioned it on the show, it'll probably change tomorrow. So that's just true. you know, be prepared for that. Hey, I came up with an app idea the other day that's perfect for in-app purchase. Did you? Yeah, seriously. Okay. Tell me so that. it's a pedometer, right? Yeah. Where you can like build a streak. Yeah. You can buy steps. Brilliant. I like it. <laughs> so if you haven't made your, you know, like, <laughs> you're a thousand <laughs> short, you're like, man, I'm yeah. on a, I'm on a fifty-eight day streak. Yeah. I just need to buy another thousand steps. <laughs> I like it. I no, like it. No one steal that idea. Yeah, don't do it. So the way that revenue works, I think, is relatively acceptedly, like, you know, it's pretty well known. You get a 70-30 split. Mm-hmm. 30 goes to Apple, 70 goes to you. I don't really have to explain that very much. One thing that I will note is, um, and I know that it kind of applies to paid apps and other apps as well. If you're creating an app for yourself for the first time and you were like, oh, yeah, I want to make an app. There are things you have to do when it, with with paid apps, and in this case, with like in-app purchase apps, uh, in order to be able to actually release that app on the app store. So, 
it requires a special contract. You know, paid apps require a, a specific contract under under the uh, agreements, tax, and banking section of in- yeah. iTunes Connect. And so you just basically go in there and sign that. To sign that, I think you also have to comply by certain you know laws in your country. So in Australia, for instance, you have to be registered for GST. It's not optional. Yeah, you also have to have an ABN. Well, yeah, I mean, the well, registered you business. Be, yeah, so you have to be a registered business, and you have to be a registered GST, which is sales tax for yeah, yeah, or VAT if you're in Europe. Exactly. Um, which and that's normally optional if you're within a certain amount of yeah. like income. Um, but this kind of means that you have to register for it anyway, which is, I mean, it's kind of pain. It means you have to do a baz every every quarter or whatever. But if you're on tiny, you can do it every year. And that's a general look at how the revenue kind of side of things works. You get paid into a bank account. It happens like once every month, as long as you hit the limit. Which yeah. I think is two hundred Australian. Something like that. Oh, it's, it's like probably in the U- US. Or something. Yeah, it's probably 150 US. And then they and you get paid in whatever currency you're you're in. So I get paid in Australian dollars. I have one app on the store, and at one point I had three apps. It normally takes me about a year to get paid out. I'm on a pretty good payout cycle. Get my 150 bucks every year. Mine varies. I probably get at the moment once every couple of months. Mm-hmm. But if I actually do release updates regularly, it's every <laughs> month. Okay. Yeah, so the more that I release updates, the more I get paid, uh, basically. So if I'm actually doing my work and not focusing on other things, then I actually get paid. And then when you get paid, it's straight to Macca's for the cheeseburgers. It is. It's just ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Just making it rain. (laughs) Okay, so to create in-app purchases, there are a bunch of steps that you have to do, combined up into various different parts of the uh, process. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to go into iTunes Connect and create the in-app purchases. So you go under, it's under My Apps and there's like a features section. And in there you can add all of your, you know, your your actual products. So in the case of your Steps app, mm-hmm. you might have like, you know, th- let's say you have three in-app yep. purchases. Uh, one is for 500 steps, one mm-hmm. is for 1,000 steps, and one is for 5,000 steps. Um, so you'd go in there and you'd create an in-app purchase for each of those things. Mm-hmm. So you can provide like the name of the in-app purchase and a little bit of a description, which can be localized. Which can be local. Like, so you can localize those. So you like, lo- um, so you- and you add the localizations there. You don't put mm-hmm. the localizations in your app. And it's important to note that when you, after you've created that, like you can test that with test flight and stuff like that. Like you can test those with your app, but in order to be able to actually ship with them. They have to pass review first. Yeah. And review is somewhat separate. I think I've never actually had one fail yet, so I'm not sure what happens when one fails, but I can't imagine they that go, it's great. Unless it's changed. They go for review when you submit your app, though. You can't submit them separately. Yeah. So when you submit for review, you say, I want to review these in-app yeah. purchases because you might have others in there that are for a future version yeah. or are just were never used, so you don't have to submit them all. Yep. And so the important thing about the way that you manage them in iTunes Connect kind of comes back a bit later and we'll get back to that when, that when when we come around to it. But having all the details there and setting up all your pricing and stuff like that in iTunes Connect is kind of a benefit as opposed to setting them up in the app and I'll explain that when we get to it. So there are, when you're creating an in-app purchase, you'll, ha- you'll be kind of presented with five options which are really kind of three options. Mm-hmm. So the first of all, first of all, you have consumable and non-consumable. Yeah. So They're, my steps would be a consumable. Yeah. So you would buy them when you want them, and you would kind of use them for today, 
Yeah, and then you would need them again if you didn't make your goal next the next day. This is a terrible app, by the way. This is like the, it's the best app ever. What are yeah, you talking no, about? No, it's, it's it's so like it's so evil. I love it. So the the consumable in app purchases are the sort of products essentially that uh, you re you can like rebuy over and over again. Yeah, most people use them for coins. Yeah, coins or gems, um, whatever you want to call your fake currency. So it's 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 kind of like buying petrol for your car. Like you yes. buy it, you use it, and it's gone. You have to fill up again, so you have to go and buy it again. It's that kind of purchase, but in your app, obviously. So then you obviously have non-consumable, mm-hmm. and that's the opposite of consumable. Uh, wow. Thus its name. Yep. Dropping these- the truth bombs today. <laughs> <laughs> so these are the ones that have uh, that you usually see where you buy like a set of levels or something, where, yeah. or like speci- special features. Um, so if you're steps app had the ability to unlock like a pro double level. steps every step you take counts as two yep so that might be like a one a, a one-time purchase yep. and it all and it continues on so that's a non-consumable in-app purchase there's a catch with non-consumables if you have a non-consumable in-app purchase you must provide the ability to restore said purchase so somewhere in your app now you have to have a restore purchase button yeah. Even though if they tapped on the in-app purchase and tried to buy it again, it would just restore it for them. That's right. You actually have to have a button that says restore previous purchases or else you'll get rejected. Yeah, that's no that's right. So that's kind of a separate kind of part of the API that you hit to yeah. get that to make that happen and it restores all of the purchases that they'd made. Yep. Ever. Which means yeah, totally if you used to have like 5 years ago an in-app purchase for something you need to provide the ability to restore it even if that thing no longer even exists, which I've run into before. So we completely removed the feature, basically, but they still required us to have a restore button. That's interesting. Who knows if it was just Apple Review misunderstanding what it was, but we got rejected and said, you need to to provide a restore button for previous in-app purchases. And it was like, oh, okay. Hmm. So the last kind of in-app purchase is subscriptions. And they come in three flavors, mm-hmm. thus the five kinds that show up in uh, iTunes Connect. So, subscriptions are time-limited stuff. So, let's say that actually your double steps purchase only lasts for a week. Yeah, and if that you, sounds way better. It sounds way better. Yeah. Uh, so, then you want, so, then if they want to have double steps for another week, then they will have to buy it again. And that's, that's essentially a subscription purchase because it means that uh, they have double steps for a time-limited period and then they can resubscribe to that at a later stage once their subscription runs out. So, like I said, that comes in three flavors. You have free, which means that they get it for free. There's not really a lot to go on there. Uh, (laughs) The thing about that that particular one is that uh, it's only allowed for uh, magazines and newspapers. Oh, okay. So, it doesn't work for you. Um, I, I guess it's like you I would have use a, that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like I guess it's like if you have a you know a free subscription to a a newspaper like an online newspaper that you can read in the app. I don't understand why you would set it up, but that's not for me to worry yeah, about. You can use whatever business model you want. They also don't expire, which is again I don't understand why this uh, why why it's a thing. Okay. So that I think they weird. kind of like automatically renew, but they don't expire. So I guess you can cancel out of it. So you might have a newspaper about steps and mm. that will, the free subscription will kind of, uh, you'll get that once a week and that, so your subscription kind of lasts for a week, um, but they it automatically renews until they cancel that. I'm going to sell shoes through that newspaper. 
choose. I like so it's, it. It's, a, it's basically a catalogue. It's free. It's like those <laughs> the junk mail you get. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So then you have automatically renewable ones, which, like free, will automatically renew, except that you pay for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably the most popular one these days. Yeah, like, well, kind of. In terms of when you hear about people's business models that are actually succeeding... No, actually, no. Really? So these, this is the automatically renewable one. So you can only use automatically renewable ones for periodicals. So again, newspapers and magazines, uh, business apps, which I guess like, uh, let's say that you had cloud storage available through mm-hmm. your app, uh, you might use this, uh, or you might have uh, professional, you know, creative products that you provide through your uh, through your you know subscription. You can only use it for certain things. Uh, media apps. So if you have like a a Spotify type thing, you can use a, a renewable, like an automatically renewable subscription. But yeah, it's limited. So you have to, mm. you, you might have to look into that because I don't think you can. You can almost pass off anything as a business app. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think steps would kind of fall into this category. Employee health is very important. <laughs> the, the last one. So you do have an option here. I think this is probably going to be the best one for, for your, uh, for your, the, the double steps. Um mm-hmm. The last one is non-renewing. and How will that make me more money? Well, it won't. Well, I mean, it, it will be a subscription, so they still have to buy it once a week, but they have to actively go in and, and request it, which is annoying. I know, it's, I know it's annoying. But the great thing about non-renewing in-app purchases, or subscriptions, rather, is that you can use it for any kind of time-limited content. So okay. you could, if it, if it, it doesn't matter what it's for. It, the only downside is that you, they don't, it doesn't automatically renew. I think this is the one that you see a lot used a lot for the you know patronage type yeah. uh, thing. Is patronage actually working? I guess that's another story. I don't know, but I'm not going to go into like mm. how these business models are working for people because I honestly don't know. I I mean I try I try the business models that I try, but I can't I can't really say. But it's yeah. so patronage is I guess similar to the idea that we use on this show for you know for supporting this show where people provide a little bit of money and it helps. To you know, yeah. you know, make things make things possible. Um, I think this is the one that you see see mostly. But uh, I mean, again, certain apps might use the automatically renewable one because they offer a perk of uh, I don't know, you know, being able to upload your podcasts to uh, you know, oh, cloud storage. I reckon you see more of the auto renewing ones because you've got apps like Spotify. In fact, Runkeeper does it. Mm, that's true. I think it's one of these things where you have to figure out which one you're able to use. Yeah. And that might be the sort of thing where you have to get in touch with, use one of your, what are they, ITCs? No, that's not it. The paid support ones. Yeah, the paid support things. They have a specific acronym that I can't think of. But yeah, the paid support things where you can get in touch and ask questions and stuff like that. Or you can just like try it yeah. <laughs> and get rejected. I don't know. That's that's up to you what you want to do there. So we've have, so for your for your Steps app, we have three in-app purchases that are... Not, that are consumable mm-hmm. so you can buy them over and over again um and then you have one probably non-renewing subscription it's yeah. a shame but okay yeah i what think that's probably the safest way to go when you set up a subscription do you set the time it renews on or do yeah. apple just determine? so you can set a number of different times okay so for with with your your subscription for your steps uh for your double steps um you might want to set it up for a week or you can set it for like a month or maybe yeah. set it up for a three-month option. So you can set all three so of those up. I, and they can choose which one they want. You set a time and a price, basically. So yeah. one month, 10 bucks. And then three months might be 20 bucks. Yeah, a bit of a discount. Yeah. Or 25 bucks. Yeah. 
Don't want to be too generous. Just 30. <laughs> <laughs> I might even make it 35. <laughs> it actually costs more. So once you've actually set up your you know, purchases in iTunes Connect and you've figured out which ones that you want to use and that sort of thing, you need to set up your app to be able to actually use the in-app purchases that you've set up. There's a couple of things that you need to do here, but you can just go to your capabilities tab and just flip a little button. So in the capabilities tab of your project settings panel thing, you basically have to go in and just find the in-app purchases item and flip the little button to on. Yep. And then that will, you know, it'll spin for a bit and it'll figure yeah. it out. If you really want to set it up manually, I don't know, you might be using some other way of generating a profiles or something. You can go into your member center, into the member center and go into where you set up your app IDs mm-hmm. in the profile certificates area, whatever it's called. Uh, and you can add the capability to your app ID directly. Yeah. And then I think you have to re-import, like you have to like regenerate your provisioning profiles. I can't yep. remember. No, I think you do because the profile has the entitlements. Yeah, included. So. Yeah, so you you can regenerate that, and if you're using like Fastlane or something to manage that, then that might be the better way to go. And then once you've done that, you can uh, re-import all your profiles, and then just link up the Storekit framework because obviously you need that. Mm-hmm. It'll work if you don't have the Storekit framework. Like you can have in-app purchases enabled for your app and not actually link up the Storekit framework. You just won't be able to do anything with it. But I think. Ticking that capabilities box might import the framework. It does. Yeah. yeah. So if you turn it, if you flip it on, there's two items there that 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 it says you have to do, and one of them is linking the Storekit framework. Mm-hmm. Personally, with the apps that I create, I have a library that I've created to mostly handle all the Storekit related stuff, so I don't have to write it again and again and again for mm-hmm. every app. That is linked to the Storekit app, and then my app is linked to that. So I don't link my app directly to Storekit. I link my app to that, and then that takes care of that kind of thing. So you don't have to have it directly linked to Storekit. You Mm. can use a library for it or write your own whatever you want to do in that regards. And then finally, the last thing you have to do in order to be able to use the purchases in your app is write a store. (laughs) Like write a way to actually purchase these things. It's not as easy as it sounds. No, it's not. It's kind of, it's a bit painful. Like And like I said, the the Storky framework hasn't been updated for a while. So it's kind of using like a delegate flow kind of thing to all the uh, like asynchronous calls mm-hmm. to the iTunes uh, store. So you have to be able to deal with that. And that's kind of, and that's one of the reasons why I've written mine as a library that I can just hook up to because I can then basically wrap all those calls in a couple of different calls and then I can basically yeah. say, purchase this product and call this completion block when you're done. There are libraries out there that'll let you do that for you. Yeah. Back in my day, yeah. it was MK Store Kit. That was the So the one that I've that seen go to. So the one that I've seen, I've based some of some of my logic that we'll talk about later on, is RM store and it covers pretty much all of the things that That's you can good. do with Storekit. And it seems to still work. Yeah, I don't use it. I've M- set up my own. MK Storekit, I think, died a long time ago, unfortunately. Yeah. You can basically if you if you go into uh if you go into GitHub and type Storekit, you'll basically get like a list of all these different f- frameworks that people have written to kind of wrap the Storekit. And I'm pretty sure if you use something like B- Blockskit, it will probably wrap the Storekit stuff mm. as well. So setting up the basic pur- purchase flow, it's not terribly hard. It's so what you have to do is you have to add. So I I guess create a new class. Uh, let's call it our storefront. Mm-hmm. And when in that class, when you initialize that class, you add that class as a observer to the payment queue, SK payment queue. And it's like one line that you add. Then what you do when you need to bring in your products. So let's say you're listing your products in a 
your uh, purchases in a table view, um, you refresh your products before you list, like before you populate that table view with with actual you know, content. Yep. So it's it's like you know any other, I, I guess you know remotely served content. So you create a what's called an SK products request, and then that returns to you a list of all of, like basically all of the products. So it will return to you a bunch of SK product objects uh, with each of the products that you've set up in your in iTunes Connect. And it returns, along with that, it will return localized you know, descriptions and stuff and localized pricing based on their locale. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah. Because the prices are different all over the world. Yeah. And they change. Yeah. So this is a sort of thing where you don't provide that content in app. You actually pull it down and use it from there. Um, you need the SK product anyway later when you actually do the purchase because you have to you have to create your purchase with that product mm. um, but you don't want to use your own local descriptions and stuff like that because this way you can it, it will pull the correct ones and you can just use them and especially with the pricing you need the pricing um, to be able to show what the price is yeah so once you've got that you can create your table view and you can list it out and uh, I mean in gift wrapped for instance I have a section for each you know purchase and the it has one row in it which has is essentially the button for making the purchase and it has the title mm-hmm. uh, and the price and then it has a section footer with the description that you can enter. I can change that at any time as well. That's one of the benefits of having it on iTunes Connect. Like if I want to go in and modify that description, I can go in and change it. Yeah, and I can change the price as well. So if I want to make one free for a while, that's never going to happen. Uh, if <laughs> you know, if I want to make one free, or if you, if you want to make a uh, you know one of the steps thing, you know, a lower price for to make it so that you know a lot of people buy it um, in a short period of time. You can totally do that. Uh, that's that's one of the benefits of uh, having nice. that kind of managed re- remotely. Once you've got your kind of table view, you obviously need to be able to... Those buttons need to be able to do something. So the only way that you basically can do that is you take the product, the SK product object that each one represents. So let's say that you want to buy the 500 steps consumable in-app purchase. To purchase that, you take the product, the SK product, and you create a payment. So an SK payment with mm-hmm. that product. It's basically like calling... So you call something like uh, payment with product. Yeah. So you add that payment to the payment queue, mm-hmm. SK payment queue, which we, if you remember, we added ourselves as an observer of before. That payment will then go into like start being processed basically yeah. immediately. That's that's basically like you're handing it off to the store and saying, take care of this for me. Cheers. And then your phone displays about 16 alerts Yep, to get you to pay for it. Yep. And if you're on test flight, you'll probably get like three for like logging into iTunes and then yeah. uh, and then it will like fail and then you'll do the payment again and it'll work first time yeah. randomly. Test flight is fun. And that's still better than what it used to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much better. So previously, it was the sort of thing where you had to set up to test these things. You needed to set up a, a sandbox, sandbox account, user. Yeah. Uh, and so you'd have to set that up and you'd have to enter that username and password if you wanted to log in to you know, pay, buy stuff and for these new purchases. Com- it was a completely separate Apple ID. Yeah. And what would happen was would basically switch your phone to using that app ID. This has all gotten way better. This is back in the day, though. So you would log in using your Sandbox account. Yep. And then if you then forget about it and accidentally open the App Store, it would convert your Sandbox account into a real Apple ID. And yeah. then 
you've lost your sandbox account again. <laughs> There's no way one. to revert them. Yeah. So now you've got to create another Apple ID. Yeah, so you have to keep creating these Apple IDs. And you have to, because it's a, a thing you have to enter a password for, you yep. have to enter that password every freaking time. Mm-hmm. So make it something easy, but don't like not follow all the rules that are required for, for Apple ID passwords. So thankfully, TestFlight allows testers to use yeah. their actual Apple account and then just doesn't charge them. Yeah, so it just doesn't, they're just free and uh, and it provides a notification to say this is free while you're on testing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so they can test and like, they can buy those things and restore those things and do all the same things that you can do in the release version if as if you were like the regular customers yeah. would be doing, but it doesn't cost them anything. So good, so much better. Once you've done that, You'll start getting, uh, you'll start getting um, calls to one of the delegate methods um, with changes to your payment, your tra- the transaction that it creates. Yep. So there's five different states that you can go into. The purchasing state it just basically means that it's being processed. So it probably means that uh, that the user is still tapping through the you know the various alerts. It's basically this hasn't been purchased yet, but we're we're working on it right now. Cheers. Then it will go into essentially one of Three, I think, maybe mm-hmm. four. Um, so it might get deferred. So deferred is the one that they added recently uh, with family sharing. So oh. if the user that has made tried to make to purchase the in-app purchase is a child in family sharing, it will get deferred and it will go to one of the adults um, that are set up to be able to you know, authorize those those purchases. Um, we'll get a notif- notification to say Ben has tried to buy five hundred steps. Allow it or don't. Yeah, it's probably more like the kid tries to buy five hundred gems. Yeah, and the parent goes, "What? No, of course you can't buy five hundred gems." And then they switch to my pedometer app and go, "Ooh, I'm a little short today. Yes, I would like to buy." <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's accurate. Yeah. So that's what deferred means, though. That it, it means that it's it's waiting on that um that kind of authorization to be able to continue. If they say no, you can't have five hundred steps, then it will go to failed. And it might fail for other reasons, like if the user decides halfway through the 16 different alert messages that they get that they, <laughs> well, they, they, they're going to give up. Um, this is too many alerts. They might hit cancel, uh, and that will go to failed as well. It might also fail for reasons other than that, obviously. Yeah. Bank account's wrong. Yeah, bank account wrong, or you they know, ran out of credit. credit card has expired or run out of credit, or they, it just simply can't access iTunes because they're yeah. in a bunker underground um, mm-hmm. because of the zombie apocalypse. You know, it can go into failure for any of those reasons. The SK payment transaction that you get back in that kind of when you get updated about these states will have an error property that you can get the details for why that, like why that has failed. So let's say they've bought this before. This is a non, like a non-consumable mm-hmm. purchase, and they've bought it before. Uh, it will, it will allow them to restore that purchase, even like like with the restore button. And I think you get this if you use the restore. Yeah, you I get think a so. restored state back, and that basically means that the content has been purchased before, but it hasn't been paid for again. It's just been like just restore it for the user, and it'll provide you the original transaction for the payment, like for the actual you know, original the first time that they actually bought this. So I, if you want to do something with that, you can. If you want to use the date from it or something like that, you can get that de- those details from that that transaction. But obviously, there's a final state that mm-hmm. it will go into if this is the first time that they've bought that thing, or if it's consumable, like they've bought this uh, the, the, these 500 steps and. You know, it's been allowed and all that sort of stuff. Once it's actually gone through and you've finalized the purchase, it'll go into purchased state. And nice. that's the best kind of state. 
that basically means that the purchase has been completed, the payment's been completed, and you can unlock or download whatever content or apply the 500 steps. Yeah, sounds good. If you have content that needs to be downloaded, let's say that if you buy the 500 steps for the first time, you also get a pretty background screen for your steps app. Oh, no, Um, they're real steps. A poor kid on a treadmill has to go and run them now. <laughs> so you can't use it at purchase for that model. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> uh, so let's say that along with the uh, along with the 500 steps, every week you have a, like a new background screen for your app that you add. It's just like a perk, an additional yeah. kind of like you get 500 steps, but you also get this. Uh, and it's just like a background screen. And you upload a new one of those every week. Uh, you can provide that content. Um, through iTunes Connect, there are ways of doing really? that. Really? I yeah. didn't know that. So you can provide content that is attached to an in-app purchase and that content can be downloaded through that means. Um, you can. I mean, you can also do other things. I guess you could probably like use the new resource tags, which might be better anyway, mm-hmm. to download content. So you can tag it all with like, you know, a specific in-app purchase ID and then you uh, request that, that content. You can provide stuff through your own server. It doesn't really matter. Like that's just, it's just a thing that you can, you can, you can do really anything once you've actually managed the complete state. Or you can have stuff shipped in the app and just unlock it, like just flip a flag somewhere. Yeah, that's um, how I've done it before. I, what I do with, with like my apps is I have like a, a receipt kind of flag thing and it's yeah uh, encrypted and all that sort of stuff to basically make sure that – to try and make sure that people, you know, don't subvert the system. But that's just stored in like NS user defaults somewhere. And that's just my shorthand way of checking to make sure that, you know, that – that content has or that feature has been unlocked. Mm. In the case of your consumable, you probably just add the 500 steps and be done with it. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Mm. So that, and that's basically all you really need to do to be able to, like, like that's all you have to do to be able to use in-app purchases. Really, that's that's it. Like once you've actually gone through this process, like make or before you've gone through the process, I guess you should look up the review guidelines and stuff like that. Yeah, in order to be able to actually like make sure that you actually will pass review. Yeah, I know one of them is no physical products. Yeah. So you can't use your in-app purchases to buy things like so. If you wanted to use your some poor kid on a treadmill to give you your steps, uh, that would technically be outside the app. I think technically, yeah, it would be. Yeah. I think that's an Apple Pay transaction. Yeah, so you'd instead. have to use Apple Pay instead, um, which yeah. I'm not going to go into that because I've never, I've never actually done Apple Pay yet because we don't have Apple Pay on anything except Amex here and nowhere except Amex. I've got it. <sighs> I got an Amex just for Apple Pay. <laughs> I'm not getting an Amex just for Apple Pay. Yeah. Not, not going to happen. Yeah, it's not worth it, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's hardly accepted anywhere, I think. So that all the big names accept it. Yeah. Which is like when you do your supermarket shopping. Or- yeah. But you can't just use it at like, you know, the your uh, hipster coffee, coffee shop down in Braddon somewhere. Oh, no. no. No, you can't. No. So let's say that you're having some some trouble with your in-app purchases and somebody's trying to subvert the system. They're trying to like you're getting a lot of people that are like adding 500, like adding a flag to you know yep. add your to you know say that you get double steps for your subscription. Which stuff? This actually happened. It was a couple of years ago now. But someone like publicized a method to get free in-app purchases. Yep. And it wasn't anything special. Like anyone could have come up with it. And it worked on a whole pile of apps, and it was because they weren't validating their receipts correctly. Yeah. So receipt validation was something that I think was added, like post, like okay. later. Um, you didn't actually get receipts in apps. It shipped with the Mac App Store, I think, and around the same time they added it to iOS. Mm. I might be wrong about that, but regardless, you get them. You this get them is now. also it's optional. Yeah, it's optional. You don't have to do it. Like you can you can follow all the way up to this point and just 
just give up and you'll have you know purchases people will be able to buy the products it'll be all good everything's fine everything's great it'll just mean some very small percentage of people will be able to fake the transaction yeah they'll fake the tra- they'll be able to fake the transaction and get the thing for free or whatever and mm. because there's no because you're not checking the receipt it's like I mean it's like going to a store like if you walked into a store and you tried to walk out with an item you might be able to do that. Like you might, you know, stick it under, under yeah. your jumper. And I don't know how people but do that. You need someone at the door checking receipts. Yeah, like so you Costco. Have, exactly. <laughs> you have somebody at the door checking the receipt, and they go through the receipt and they go, "This receipt is from like three months ago. Like, why are you walking out with a brand new product?" So that's clearly something that that you can do with this receipt validation stuff. Receipt validation is. I mean, like I said, it's kind of extra credit. You don't have to do it. You can get away without it, but it's kind of useful to do it. It can be a little bit annoying for users. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a pop-up. Like, you randomly get a pop-up that's like, sign into iTunes, and you know you have to enter your password or potentially your password and your email address to sign in, and you might get those randomly at random times. Yeah, I have yeah. seen that. If you've ever gotten that, that's because somebody is refreshing their receipt. Uh, so, they requ- they're requesting... a new copy of the receipt from the from the store to so they can check that and because it's logging into the itunes store it requires the password right and if it pops up at random times it probably means that that's being triggered by something you know in a backgrounded app because you can do this in the background if you really want to it's so dumb yeah uh, it just trains users to whenever they see that to just type it in mm-hmm. like you could just present a fake one yeah but if you've ever seen that that's what's happening it's being request like a new receipt is being requested because it generally means that there's no receipt, which can happen, or the receipt is invalid and you'll need to, like, and, you know, somebody's put a dummy receipt in there to try and, you know, get past the system and so you've got to request a new one. So there are two ways that you can go, like, you can validate a receipt. There's the easy way and the hard way. The easy way is to validate them remotely. Basically, what that means is that you request, so you send the the receipt to the store, Mm-hmm. And they will validate it for you and then provide you with the contents of the receipt as JSON, I think. So that requires, it requires, quote, it requires, in quotes, quotes, lots of quotes, a server in between, for just mostly for security purposes. You can get away without a, re- a server. You could just send that straight to the app store and that would be fine. But it kind of... But then they could just... They could just stick a server between the yeah. phone and the store and uh, and provide that... Um, just basically send back a like the content that they think sh- it should have. Obviously, that's kind of full on, but it totally it's totally possible. So Apple suggests relatively strongly that you have you use a server for this. So the idea is then you grab the receipt and you bundle that up in a uh, network request. You send it to your server, mm-hmm. encrypted, of course. Probably using HTTPS. Yeah, you could pin it to your server as well. Yeah, and do all that sort of stuff. And then your server then pings the store uh, with the receipt and then gets back those details. Once you your server has gotten those details back, it can then, I don't know, encrypt those again and then send those through to your app so that you can essentially read the contents of the receipt. And the contents of the receipt, like the receipt has all of the purchases that have been made. It has like the dates that they've been made on and stuff like that. Um, how much they were purchased for, uh, so you can see all that sort of stuff, and you can use that con- that in whatever way that you deem necessary. One idea for that is, let's say that your app, your Steps app, was originally five bucks, and you bought your app for five bucks, the app for five bucks, mm-hmm. but then you decided to go to a freemium model where yeah. you buy the Steps, and so 
for people who had paid for the app, you kind of felt bad for them. They'd paid five bucks for this app. You wanted to give them like a, you know, yeah. thanks for being a great loyal customer of, of you know, steps. Here's steps ten, by Ben. Here's 10 free steps. Yeah, here's 10 free steps. <laughs> uh, and so you can check, you can validate the receipt, get the receipt, open the receipt and check the date and provide those 10 steps to you know, those customers. Those loyal customers. Those loyal customers. 10 free me. steps. <laughs> uh, so you can do that and because it's just, it's just a JSON thing that you get back. So the other way that you can do it is to do it the hard way, hard mode, so to speak, and that's to validate it locally. The reason that it's hard mode, I mean, it's great because it doesn't require server, so you can do it when the user is offline, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't require that kind of endpoint. You don't have to set up a server in between if you don't already have one. It's hard mode, though, because you have to do some cryptography, because you have to be able to unencrypt the receipt, mm-hmm. and you can use common crypto. It's totally possible to use common crypto for this but apple suggests that you don't basically all of the shortcuts to using uh to doing this stuff like to doing all of these various different things for in-app purchases and uh validating the receipt you can do it with like the provided stuff apple actually does provide even code for yeah. your validating a receipt but you shouldn't use it which seems strange you don't just copy and paste it into your app and be like yeah i'm done the reason for that is because People could still circumvent it. Because they have something obvious to look for. Yeah. Um, all of these things, like anything that's public, people can just like read through it and they can just figure it out. And the, the source is right there and they can, you know, then they can do their injection, their code injection to be able to get past it. And then like if there's, you know, somebody might be in the jailbreak break community that, uh, you know, has a thing that they can inject that does all this for a user. And so they can, you know, anybody that's jailbroken can just unlock this thing. Yeah, it's compl- like that's completely legitimate. Like it's a it's a legitimate problem with this. It's not that I'm against jailbreaking. Jailbreaking is fine. Yeah. Another one is when you're writing all this stuff, don't call your method is receipt valid returns boolean. Yeah. Too obvious. You make all these. <laughs> you cha- you 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 uh, obfuscate stuff. Yeah. By changing the the method names, so they can't like inject that code. So basically, what you do is you um, embed OpenSSL into your app, mm-hmm. which is a pain. Um, it's not, and I'm not going to go into like massive details. There are, again, there are libraries out there that have kind of done this work. So the RM Store um, library that I mentioned before does this, oh, and really? it can do this for you. Don't use it for the same reason, obviously. Yeah, uh, MK Storekit had a a like Pragma warning. Or like an old preprocessor warning that was like insert validation here, and yeah. they didn't provide it. I mean, the thing is, is if you care about receipt validation, do it. Like go, f- like go full. Yeah, uh, I'm not. But if you're not going to do receipt validation, then you just don't don't bother. I used for for my purposes. I used uh, RM Store as kind of like a starting point. Like I was, yeah. I used it as like here is how it's how it can be done. And so I kind of you know fault like got an understanding of how that worked and then did it myself. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the right way to go. Yeah. And I didn't just like copy paste or anything like that. Like I, I I legitimately changed the way that the flow worked and changed the method names and stuff like that so that it can't be but the general, you know, embedding open open SSL, I got like I you know, I got an understanding from, you know, that that library. So it's really hard to explain the code. So you just, I mean, I'll throw a link in the show notes to, of, to Apple's thing and also to RM Store so that you can go and look at this for yourself. Um, there are basically four-ish steps that you have to do to be able to verify the receipt. So you, first of all, generate a signature that you check against the receipt and uh, and basically check to see that it was um, signed by Apple. 
Mm-hmm. Once that is good, you know, it's signed by Apple, you can then verify the bundle and version identifier to that to that's in the receipt to the one that's in your app mm-hmm. uh, and check that that's Correct. that's good because mm-hmm. that will be updated every time your the app is updated as well so you know they're going to be they're going to be the same ideally then you compute the hash of the guid mm-hmm. which is basically the device identifier uh, and compare it against the receipt as well and if any of those things fail you request a new receipt so you refresh your receipt and you do that with sk receipt refresh request cool many r's so if they fa- if like if you request that you basically then can go through those steps again to validate the that receipt and if that fails then i guess you can lock it down you can, i mean you can do whatever you want once you, once you know that the receipt is invalid but be careful with it, I guess, because I mean, look at the issues that the Mac App Store has had recently, yeah. um, where which is somewhat similar to this uh, kind of process. Re- if receipts might be not validating for reasons that are legitimate, like I don't know, the Apple signature has changed, and you will need to make sure that you kind of adjust for that. If the receipt is valid, though, you can extract the attributes, and again, there is code for that that you can uh, that you can look up, and that basically returns like a dictionary, and it's the same as the JSON that you would get back from uh, the server version, and you can use that to unpack uh, your you know purchases and stuff like that, um, or even just validate that the app is actually there for a you know a purchased app like a mm-hmm. whatever, and so again, you can use that data to optionally provide the you know the extra 10 steps for the people who had bought the app when it was a you know a upfront payment does that make sense it does make sense so i i have a i have a library like i i wrote a library for this because like i said i don't want to do it every time i create a new app yeah so i've written like my own wrapper library it's not going to be in the show notes because it's a private library um because again, like I said, like all this stuff is if anything that's public, people can go and look it up, and they can, yeah. uh, and it kind of completely circumvents the need for it. So, like, but like I said, uh, you know, because if it's a public library, especially like, I mean, let's say you use RM Store, if somebody hacks RM Store, they've hacked everything that uses RM Store. Yeah, and it's not RM Store's fault. Like, it's just trying to be helpful. Yeah, but it can happen. So my suggestion is like look at the look at the versions that are available. I mean, if you don't want to do receipt validation, use as many li- use whatever library you want. If you want to do receipt validation, look up look at the libraries and then write your own or mm-hmm. write it in your app or do something like that. Again, those all that sort of stuff will be in the show notes, and you can look it up and do what you want. I like it. You like it? Yeah, I'm gonna go make my app now. Yes, good with in-app purchases. Mm. All the information that you've learned today. That's it. Good. Pay to win pedometer. Look for it on the app store in like a week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so if you'd like to read the show notes, if you'd like to you know go and look up these these bits and pieces, they'll be on our website. You can also get in touch with us on our website. And the website is mobilecouch.co. If you'd like to get in touch with us individually, you can do that. Ben is Ben Trangrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. And I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a loyal customer to the show uh if you'd like to help support the show you can buy tep- you can buy steps yeah, uh, they're not free they're not free through patreon uh we love our patrons because they help make the show possible mm-hmm. and uh you can do that too um the details for that are on our website and otherwise we look forward to talking to you again two more weeks time and until then goodbye bye